another episode of Making It to the Mic. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and my guest today is Robert Graham. Robert and I met years ago teaching theater to kids in Westchester, which is actually how he got his start as a manager. Now, after spending a ton of time working for several other agents and managers, he's decided to start his own management company, and I'm so excited for his new endeavor. Robert and his partner want to bring a fresh perspective to that side of the industry and create an inclusive environment where both the people he represents and the people in his office feel comfortable and supported. I'm so thrilled he joined me for this chat, so let's listen in. Here's my conversation with Robert Graham. Hello, Robert. How are you today? Hi, Stephanie. I'm doing super well. How are you? I'm good. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you from a uh, as a manager and a managerial standpoint. So I'd love to start by asking you to tell us about your journey. How did you make it to where you are behind the mic? Sure. Um, and yes, thank you for having me here. Um, well, uh, it all started out with me the, being a big theater nerd as a kid. I went to theater camp, uh, the KJK theater camp, and spent many years there. And then I spent many years working at, uh, at the camp uh, as a CIT and then a counselor. And then by the time I was in college, I was the program director. And uh, as you know, we took the program to schools. And so I started working in the school district as well. And, you know, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in the industry, but I knew I wanted to be in there somewhere. Um, and I knew I didn't want to perform. So um, I was like, you know, let me take this time to kind of figure out what I want to do. Um, and uh, in my time working with the kids, you know, some of them were just so wonderful and so talented and chomping at the bit for more. Um, and so their parents started asking, you know, what can Johnny do? What can Susie do? And I said, well, you know, let me look into it and see what I can find. So I started sending parents uh, auditions that they might want to take their kids to, either work uh, around Westchester County or even some work in, in New York. And then the kids started to book the work that I was sending them notices for. Amazing. Yeah. And I thought, huh, well, I had never thought about representation, but maybe this is something I can get paid for. <laughs> and so... Um, that was kind of my jumping off point. So I started sending out my resume, got a really great internship at uh, Dulcina Eisen Associates and just kind of worked from there. And I've spent time in both uh, agenting and, and management. Now I actually have my own management company. That's amazing. So before we get to that, I would love to know the difference, just sort of like the on paper difference between an agent and a manager. We'll start there. Yeah. Um, so it, it's interesting because the... The line between the two has actually blurred in the past uh, 10 years or so. And obviously, I was not in the industry 10 years ago. Um, but just from what I've learned from, um, you know, reps who have been in, around for a while. So for a long time, agents were your appointment getters. They were your um, contract negotiators. They were your point person on all of that. And they had, you know, a good amount of clients and, they didn't really have time to, you know, talk to you about this and that and how your day is. They were more interested in sending you the uh, audition, getting you the job, getting the commission and, uh, you know, keep going from there, basically. Whereas a manager was pretty much there for everything else. They were there to help you with your headshots. They were there to help you with your reel. They were there to, you know, be kind of a more personalized champion for you. And yes, they would, you know, push you to casting as well. But um, their main prerogative might not have been getting you a job right away. It's more of a long haul idea. So that being said, that has changed uh, quite a bit over the years. And 
you know, I've been working in management for several years now. And I actually had quite a few clients who did not have agents um, who I would get auditions for and would negotiate contracts for. And uh, if someone did have an agent and a manager, then the agent would always be the negotiator. That has hmm. stayed the same. The, the actor gets then um, two reps that are there for them and pushing them and, you know, just kind of adding to their plate of business. And so everybody gets a cut of the commission. Everyone's super happy. And so uh, it really comes down to the individual performer um, to, you know, need to know if they want just an agent or just a manager or both kind of all, you know, depends on what they, uh, they want for their career. So what do you think is the benefit of working with both an agent and a manager nowadays in the current climate? I find that for people who are further along in their career, that it ends up being beneficial to have both. Um, starting out right away, I feel like a person, a performer would do well with one or the other. And then kind of seeing, oh, you know, should my agent help me get a manager? Should my manager help me get an agent? Um, when is the right time for me? Because like I mentioned before, with having two reps comes two commissions. So uh, you want to be aiming for jobs that are paying, you know, a good amount. So the agent can be happy, the manager can be happy, and the actor can still, uh, you know, survive on that paycheck. <laughs> I, I think there definitely comes, there comes a point in someone's career where they need it. Um, there comes a time where they might say, you know, I really need to to re-strategize and, and you know, maybe um, rebrand, you know, what am I going for? What do I want to do? And that definitely is a period of time where it helps to have both because you have, you know, the agent really focusing on, you know, getting you that next appointment. And you have the manager who's there saying, all right, well, let's think about the next job. But let's also think about uh, the, the third job from now and the fifth job from now and what that what that building block looks like. So, you know, uh, going back to what I said before, it does depend on where you are and where you want to be. And, you know, sometimes there's people who just have an agent and they're in incredibly successful and they just didn't feel like they ever needed a manager. Maybe the agent has a very small roster list and they, you know, are a managent, as we say sometimes. A managent. I love that. Uh-huh. And um, sometimes the same thing for the manager where, you know, they also have a small roster. Maybe maybe the, the client became so big and needing so much attention that they, maybe they're their only client at that time. So it, it's very interesting to kind of think about when, who needs whom, because it is, it just comes down to uh, the individual case. Yeah, that's so interesting. I guess I've, I didn't start working with any kind of manager until maybe that shift had already happened. Mm -hmm. So like in my musical theater days, I just had an agent. I never even thought about having a manager because having a manager seemed like something that like Broadway stars do or like people who have like right. trajectories to be like really big and famous. And I felt like, I don't know, I got this agent. I'm getting auditions. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to think of like things being different. And do you think that, that, that it's even different from like medium to medium, like someone who's in TV might do better with both and someone who's in theater might not or voiceover. Do you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, um, you know, even going back again to what I was saying, where it just really comes down to the individual performer. And there was a time, you know, where uh, the, the saying was, oh, you don't need a manager until you have a career to manage, which I'm sure was, you know, the, the motto then when you were performing as well. And even what I thought originally when I started working at an agency, that was 
that was kind of what I was taught. Um, and then when I went into management a couple of years later, I, I did see, you know, how similar they were and the differences were kind of, you know, phasing out and, uh, you know, casting directors also kind of changed, whereas they, you know, would only ever send a, a contract to an agent or if they, if the client, let's say only had a manager, they would send it to the client and say, find an agent to negotiate this for you. Um, but nowadays that's completely changed. Um, I, I have yet to find a uh, casting person or producer who, you know, would only want to work with an agent for negotiation reasons. As you know, in the voiceover commercial world, um, it's quite common for uh, someone to freelance with several offices, um, you know, maybe two, three, four. Um, four seems excessive to me, but if four works for the person, then I think that's great. And, you know, most people then in that medium don't feel like they need to sign because they're, you know, making their living nicely from getting auditions from this person and this person and whoever gets them their audition first, you know, that's who they go through. And um, that completely works for them and it works for that entire medium. Um, So it is, it's very interesting how, you know, that would just never work for someone in the theater, TV or film world. It would just be, you know, mayhem. Yes. And I think that was such a, a weird shift for me too, coming from the musical theater world, because it was like, you had to have representation to make it. And there was like no choice. Like I graduated from college with my BFA and like we did our showcase to get an agent. Like that was the goal. Like you must graduate college with an agent so that you can be on Broadway. And it was like that was sort of and maybe that's changed too. I was I graduated a, some some time ago. Then shifting into the voiceover world, it was so weird at first to be like, wait, I can just have like lots of agents like all over the country. You know, obviously the agents and the manager still have access to the highest level of work. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to find a major TV network SAG national commercial on my own without that. But I love that you can have several people working on your team and you can find things on your own as well. So with that, how important do you think it is to be able to communicate openly with your reps and feel comfortable asking questions? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's imperative. Um if a performer is with a rep and they don't feel comfortable asking that question, you know, they're probably with the wrong rep. You know, my, my work uh, approach is always to be open and communicative. And, you know, if you have a question, we certainly would rather have you ask it and be able to clarify or, or uh, simplify what you're asking for um, and then submit, you know, a great tape as opposed to, oh, you know, I think this is probably the right thing to do. So maybe I'll just do this one thing and hope for the best um, where, you know, you might do the wrong thing. And then Cassie will say, huh, well, why did the person do the wrong thing? Um, so, so, yes, I mean, definitely always better to, you know, to, to ask the question. Um, and I think, you know, a, a good communication report is, is imperative um, for a client representative um, relationship. Yeah. And what do you like better about being a manager versus being an agent? Like what made you kind of go, oh, you know what? I'd like to land more in the manager side than the agent side. Um, I really enjoyed being at an office that was full service. So that not only did theater, TV and film, which, you know, was all I had known up until then. But I loved um, learning and getting into the commercial and voiceover and print world. And not only that, but getting to service someone across the board. Um, so there'd be many times where we'd have someone 
um, who you know was either you know just musical theater or maybe a just on camera actor, um, they would say, "Oh, you know, I don't really have much training or much background in commercial or voiceover or both, but I'd love to give it a shot." Um, and I think that's where the managerial creativity gets to really come in because as an agent, you're more kind of put in a box in my experience where uh, management, you know, we're more open to trying things and it's really been, there's really been some incredible outcomes. Um, for example, um, there's this one client who I worked with um, who was strictly in musical theater. Um, and one day she said to me, you know, um, I really like to try my hand at voiceover. I've been told I have a good voice. And I said, you know what you do? So one day we got this breakdown for a Tropicana uh, orange juice commercial. They said, you know, send us your your best gals, um, have them record. This is the script. Um, and so I sent it along to her and she recorded it and she sent it back to me. And I said, this is really good. Hmm. And sent it along with some of our um, some of our other best voiceover gals and said, girl, booked her very first audition. <laughs> it does happen. Yeah, it absolutely does happen. And that's also something I love about this side of the um, the industry, the, the voiceover commercial, is if you've got it, sometimes that's that's it. If you've got the right voice, if you've got the right look, you know, I, I feel like with uh, legit acting sometimes, well, most of the time, it takes more than that. It takes, who do you know? It takes, did you take this class? Did you do this? Do you have this exact form of training? And with commercial voiceover, it's more like, you fit the book, you know what you're doing, great. And so this this actress then went on to book numerous jobs um, and lucrative jobs as well. A, a Kellogg's campaign, um, a Coca-Cola commercial that aired on the radio for several months, KB Toys commercial. Um, and so it really became a great source of secondary income for her. And, you know, not only that, but also a filler between her theater jobs. Um, and so, you know, she was able to focus more of her time and energy on being a, a full-time working actress and not having to take on, you know, some of the gig life things. So, you know, that that's really my favorite part of, about being a manager is just getting to be creative, finding outlets for people, um, and really exploring all the possible avenues of their career. Yeah, actually, a few of my guests from last season who are uh, voice actors who either started in musical theater or still do musical theater kind of mentioned that same story that voiceover was kind of on their radar, not really. And then they were like, well, this will be a good thing to kind of fill in. And um, and they had kind of the chops and the training from being uh, stage actors. And, and then they saw success and some of them kept the parallel career, if you will, with, you know, voiceover and musical theater work. And some of them were like, peace out, musical theater. I'm going to be a voice actor now. And they just made a full-time transition. Yep, absolutely. I've known several people that that happened to. Um, and they were like, wow, I guess this is where my talents lie. And it's, you know, it's a fascinating route to kind of, to, you know, make your living in. Um, especially when you weren't expecting it and you're like, hey, I can do all this work from my booth and I can just use the voice to make money like an old timey radio star. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what types of projects do you work on? Do you work on um, commercials, animation, or do you kind of focus in on one voiceover genre? No, uh, really anything and everything. Um, animation. I wish there was more animation in New York. You know, like the Family Guys and the Simpsons and the Bob's Burgers of the world, they all usually come out of L.A. 
Um, so a lot of our voiceover work is commercial voiceover work, but, uh, you know, the genres are limitless and endless, you know, any kind of product that one would like to sell, um, we work on it. Um, you know, it's really the whole gauntlet. And do you think you have access to jobs that agents don't have? Or I, I wonder what the, if you know, like kind of what the overlap is, are there casting directors who are like, I don't want to work with a manager. I only want to send this to an agent or casting directors who, or clients even who say, no, I don't really care. I'm going to work with everybody. Well, yeah, in that world, it really comes down to the the relationship that that casting director has with one of the reps. Um, so if they know a manager and they have a good relationship and they know they have good clients, they're going to send them all auditions, you know, whatever comes their way, they're going to send to them. Um, if they're not so sure about this one person, you know, they might not even send, um, the, uh, the breakdown to everyone. They just might send it to the 10, 12, 14 reps that they know really well. So yeah, in, in that world, it is, they can, can kind of be selective. Um, and so it comes down to really, you know, building and maintaining personal relationships. Which I think is kind of the story for the whole business. Like, I feel like voiceover is so contingent on that, whether it's Mm -hmm. the voice actor and their reps or the voice actor and the casting directors. It's some everywhere along the the path. It's like everybody's got to have a great relationship with everybody else to keep getting the work or the opportunities to get the work. For sure. So I'm curious, as you move into your new management company, kind of tell us how that came about and and what your goal is with that new company? Well, I mean, I I have loved what I what I do um, pretty much since my first day interning, and I learned. You know, I, I like to say that I learned more in the two years that I spent at my first office. Um, I learned more there than I did in my four years of college. You know, my mind was opened so much to this industry and. You know, when you're in in high school and, and in college, even, and you have this idea like, oh, you know, if someone's a performer and they're good, they, you know, do this and then they go to Broadway, you know, and that's kind of just how it works. Or if, you know, they come out of school and they're an actor, they get a rep and then they're on TV and then they're, you know, and then that's how it goes. Um, and the intricacies and, you know, the, the, the bigger picture career things that I've learned about were just so inspiring to me and like, you know, my, my respect for performers, even though I, you know, I had grown up and performers were my friends and they have it so hard. There is, <laughs> there is just so much they have to do. And the building blocks you have to get there just to get, just to get an audition for a top tier, um, Broadway show. I mean, let alone a national tour or a, or a high end regional theater. Um, and it was just things I had never, I had never known about. Um, and I loved, you know, the, the pushing aspect of it. And I loved, you know, being creative in my submissions, um, that I went to manage it and I felt the very same way. And I kind of, um, blended the two, you know, what I was learning about management versus what I had learned from being an agent and kind of putting, you know, molding one rep brain. And, you know, after doing it for, for five years that I've been in the industry, I said, you know, I just kind of want to do something my way and I want to have it be mine. I want to be responsible for, um, you know, the reputation in my office. And luckily I had a wonderful friend who I started out with, um, who felt the exact same way. And, you know, the, the industry has just changed so much. I mean, you know, we're, we were talking about in the last 10 years, but I mean, even in the last single year, it has just changed so much. And we've, we've learned 
well, maybe not learn, but we've we've seen the outcome of kind of the ugly side of our industry. Um, it's all of these stories have come to light and experiences that we have all shared and been through, mm. but that were only talked in, you know, hushed tones. And so finally, some of that's coming out now and people are being exposed for, you know, just the terrible, you know, narrative that can be attached to the entertainment industry. And so we, me and my friend are really seeking with this company to change that narrative, to lead with, with kindness, um, and to make this, you know, just a, a better industry, you know, really protect our actors, really, you know, make sure that everyone is getting the the money and the the respect and the time and, you know, everything that they're, they're owed, um, and making sure that, you know, people aren't taking advantage of them and, and kind of getting rid of that, you know, overhead boss mentality where, you know, you can actually teach an assistant something or an intern something without yelling and throwing furniture around the room like we've heard from from some people. Um, and Which is very important. It's very important to not do that. <laughs> and, you know, that's that was our our dream, you know, because we've we've all kind of come up and we've worked for people who haven't treated us so great. And that's what we are looking to expel. Um, and you got to lead by example. So so that's what we're doing. I love that. I think that's so important and so amazing that you that that's the way that you can articulate it, that you, you know, you kind of watch things happen and you're like, wait, it doesn't have to be this way. We can do our own thing and make it whatever we want it to be and, and create this, you know, this positivity and and a different environment. Exactly. Exactly. Because it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be the way it was for the last hundred years of, of this business. You know, it really can be a brighter and safer and more inclusive um, community. Yeah. So as you start to open up your doors, you know, literally and figuratively, what um, what are you going to be looking for for your talent? Uh, well, th- this kind of goes along with what I was saying with opening um the business itself, you know, we want to work with talent who we are excited about, who, who you know, views these things, um, auditions that will get them, jobs that come up um, as as great and as positive. Um, people who really know what they want to do, and if they don't know what they want to do, open to collaboration. And, and we want to do the same. We want to learn from our clients. We want to, you know, in in walking hand in hand with them through this through this industry. You know, we want to push people not because they're talented, but because they're kind and they deserve it. We want people who are hardworking and who, you know, look at everything and and respond positively and ultimately just want to craft an, uh, an individual career for themselves and one that will leave behind a legacy, leaving behind a legacy of good work and and good attitude. That's kind of our our main prerogative just to to work with people who we like and um, who have exciting, interesting, unique talent. And the doors are opening for all different types of people, body size, races and religions, um, and really just creating a a positive, diverse um, roster. And what I love about what you said is that you are looking for people before talent. And I think that's something really important for the listeners to hear, too, is like, Especially now after 2020 and all the nonsense that we've been through, I think people are really 
interested in working with other people who are nice and kind and easy to work with and are going to make their lives easier. You could be the most talented voice actor in the whole wide world. You could have the best studio and the best gear. But if you're a jerk, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. And I think that's so important to like drive home because I, you know, obviously it's very important to have a broadcast quality home studio these days and to take the classes and have the great demos. But if you don't have the people skills and the social skills and the humanity and empathy to back that up and be a team player, then it doesn't matter. Absolutely. And and we're seeing that a lot more as well. Um, you know, if you're if you're difficult, if you're not making a work environment positive, you're going to start to lose out on jobs. And I think that, you know, that's already been happening. Sometimes, like you said, sometimes it's not about the best and the brightest. Sometimes it's about, you know, just just who you want to be around and, and who else, you know, inspires positivity. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's just a great change. It's what I'm really happy to be seeing. Yeah. And, and I love, too, you know, especially as a clean slate, an office that's just starting, you know, you're in total control of how you craft your roster. And I love that, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, inclusion and diversity are are important to you and that that's going to be kind of a, a like a founding thing that your agent or your um, office starts with as opposed to like, oh, gosh, well, now, we, you know, we've been open for 20 years and we've never had a blank type of person on our roster. Let's look for that. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you're starting completely fresh trying to build everything. But I guess I'm I'm backtracking now. <laughs> I'm curious for, you know, just in general, whether it's with this office or other offices that you've worked in, you know, listening to submissions from the talent side, what does stand out to you in in a demo or in a voiceover submission? Or maybe it's even in the email. Like, are you someone who likes a short email? Like, a long email? Do you want me to say, I, I heard that you grew up in Westchester, me too? Or do you want just like, here's my demo? Thanks so much. Yeah, no, I mean, we love a personalized email. I mean, obviously, you don't have to spend hours researching, you know, our, our likes and our histories and everything. But yeah, I mean, if you... Pro tip, Robert loves pizza. Yeah, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> so if you want to talk to me about that, I am happy to do so. But yeah, no, we'd love to see like, if someone, you know, goes on Facebook or Instagram and sees something, you know, that you have in common and just kind of mentioning that in there, you know, that stands out. We get hundreds of of emails and submission requests um, constantly. And, you know, we just simply can't get time to all of them. And some of them that we do open, we want to see something in the first couple of lines. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep reading. Um, And it doesn't have to be some, you know, big elaborate email and doesn't have to be like, oh, I must be so um, personable and, you know, write this whole Thing so that they, you know, it just has to be clear and concise and honest. You know, make sure that your your resume is there. Make sure that your headshots there, your clips, everything is neatly labeled and organized for us. That so we don't have to, you know, go searching to, you know, a million different things. Actually, it's funny. So someone sent me a letter um, like that the a couple weeks ago, and it was good because on one hand they did some research into our IMBD. Um, but on the other hand, they didn't do quite enough um, in that they <laughs> in that they said, "Oh, we saw your we saw your actor so and so on SVU, and their work really inspired me." And while that was a lovely thing to say, so and so who was on the show only had one line. <laughs> um, so I don't <laughs> I don't think that one line perhaps inspired them to want to work with me. So you know things like that. I'm like, uh, well, okay. I mean, I appreciate the effort, but that's amazing. 
was the one line like, here's your dog, sir. Like, I wonder what the one line was that inspired that person. Well, the line was uh, something along the lines of stop police. Stop, comma, police. That's so funny. Yeah, I, you know, we never know. Everyone is different. I think we have to remember that, too. Everyone's different. Everybody that you're reaching out to, whether it's reps or a cold email to a production company or your mom's old best friend, doesn't matter. Like, everybody is a different person with their own life story. I personally hate really long emails. So, like, if I'm going to open your email and I already am like, ooh, that's a lot, a lot of paragraphs, you know, I might just skim through it. But there are other people who are like, oh, my God, I love a long flowery email and, you know, with lots of details. I love the details. So I think we have to just remember that we have to kind of honor our own likes and dislikes and just know that we can't please everybody. But, you know, hopefully we can kind of find a happy medium with a an email that's personal, but maybe isn't like your whole life story or their whole life story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and you're absolutely right about different people liking different things. And, you know, some people might like the long email to read. Um, and conversely, some people like a short email to read. I mean, even um, last week I was on a panel and they were asking us um, this exact question. Um, and I was saying, I love uh, a resume um, headshot real attachment. And the next rep said, oh God, I hate an attachment embedded in the email instead. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, and it's, you know, you're not going to please everyone with your email. Um, but as long as you're, as long as you're sending something that's, that's you, that's positive, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the best you can do. And for your, when you're listening to demos, what are you looking for? Like, what's going to, like, let's say you read the email, you're like, okay, this person seems really cool, or this is interesting, or, you know, oh my gosh, they, they also grew up in Westchester, wonderful. And then you listen to the demo, what's going to make you put them kind of further into a yes pile and what's going to make you go, eh, I don't think that's going to be right for us. Um, Well, voiceover specifically, you know, there's, there's so many different avenues and so many different types that people look for, casting looks for and that they send out pitches for. Um, Like something that a prototype that's really big these days, Stephanie, I'm sure you've seen this on breakdowns is they want a Rashida Jones raspy type. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's very in demand. So maybe if we don't have enough, uh, Rashida Jones sound and ladies, um, <laughs> we'll be on the lookout for some more. Um, and there's also, you know, the mom type who's gonna, um, advertise, you know, products well, and perhaps, uh, you know, someone's younger, like the young type who's going to appeal to the, the millennials and, and have, you know, that, that interesting, um, appealing voice. Um, uh, the same for men, you know, for men who are advertising male products, like, you know, razors or something or dog food or cat food, you know, it, it really is, it really is interesting when you listen to the voices and you're like, oh, this, the good texture and good gravitas and things that I never really thought about people's voices until I started in this industry, you know, um, and oh, what great pitch and oh, you know, they, they interpret this text flawlessly and blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's, it's a whole, whole lot of different things. And then, um, kind of what I was alluding to before, then it also depends. Oh, is this, oh, she sounds exactly like Alexander Hamilton, who I have on my roster. So, uh, (laughs) so he's great. He or she is great, but I don't, I don't need this right now. And that's always, that's always a factor. Um, people sending emails just have to remember that sometimes you're just, we got someone similar and, uh, you know, maybe somewhere down the line, but 
you know, you just got to keep sending those emails because you'll find an office eventually that doesn't have your type or like mine, that's very new and looking to to build that roster. And as someone who is a millennial yourself, like, are you a millennial? I am a millennial. Yes, I am not a Gen Z. So as someone who's a millennial yourself, what do you think, how do you view um, kind of your place and in, in the changes in the industry? Because I feel like a lot of the changes that have happened in the voiceover industry are because more um, millennials are in positions of either hiring people in production companies or in manager offices or agents and things like that. So do you feel like you your, your generation is bringing kind of a new take on things and like a new zest to it? Definitely. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a more, I don't even know, a more unique eye or ear, um, you know, where we're listening and interested in seeing different things and, and new things, you know, kind of, you know, even like this, like this explosion of TV, this golden age of TV we're living in, like there are subjects and characters and setups and timelines that have never been explored before because there was never really a market for it. And so now, you know, you're seeing these unique niche type projects and you're like, oh, I've never seen something like this. This really appeals to me. Um, and I think that's carrying over with every medium, with theater, um, with commercials, with voiceovers. You know, we're seeing kind of innovative and, and more unique perspectives that are drawing in, you know, this this kind of silent minority that has stayed quiet for so long and is now voicing their opinions and and having um having a say in what gets produced and and you know they're this new audience that producers have to please and so people are really starting to listen to them which i love because i also think it's like when you were growing up you had a completely different world than someone who's in their 50s oh absolutely yeah so you know getting kind of getting that progression through all different areas of the industry is great. Like, I think every single audition that I see now at some point references either seeking a diverse submission or non-binary, seeking non, you know, male, female, non-binary or something like that, that I, I even didn't see just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, we are seeing things, you know, specifically geared towards people. But what I think is even more interesting is the product's um, and projects that are coming out where they're seeking kind of anyone. So they're saying, this is the personality of the character. This is what we're looking for. But we're looking to very much build the character around the actor who we choose. So then it becomes, you know, you're you're getting this bigger pool of people who are going out for this role. And it just kind of depends on who interprets it the best rather than, you know, oh, well, you know, this is the person. So this is what we have to build everything around. And it's like, oh. This is, you know, this one person came in and, and totally blew our minds and took it in a new direction. And so we're going to have, we're going to build the character around you and and have this, you know, whole interesting side arc. So that's something I really like, I'm really loving to see um, just new interpretations, you know, built around anyone. You know, I love, I love opening the pool to more people. I think it makes for more interesting work. And I th that totally goes back to what you were saying about authenticity, which is like, that's the whole point of it. If I'm going to send in something that's authentically me, then maybe that's what's going to catch their ear and go, oh, whatever that is, I want that. 
Versus if I'm like, I think that I should do the voiceover like this person. You're shooting yourself in the foot because if they wanted that person, they would just go to that person. Right. Exactly. Yeah, man, it's in some ways it feels so exciting um, to have this like kind of spark open up. But then sometimes it feels like I don't even know what like, do I have something cool and authentic? Probably. But Maybe someone else has something cooler, you know, so you kind of get in your head about that. But Oh, for sure. But it, I, I love the the direction. And I like that there's it seems to that there's a shift in products like it used to be, you know, only men would do a car commercial like celebrity men. And now it's like I just heard a woman do a Volvo commercial or whatever Cadillac commercial. And I feel like when I was growing up, like that would never happen. It was these big voiced guys doing these like Cadillac commercials. And I love that the industry is opening up and becoming a little more open minded, a little more creative because like I'm a woman and I would buy a car. My mother owned a Cadillac for goodness sakes. Yeah, absolutely. And like even if we think about, you know, Darling Flo from Progressive, you know, insurance thought of something that, you know, the the, the man would buy um, for his family and for this and that. And then we have Flo kind of coming and she's this quirky little lady who's selling you know, all of these things that were, you know, may have only been geared towards men in the past. And, uh, you know, now she's the biggest name in commercials. And she's still going. I just saw a new one. She sure is. God bless her. That was the job to get, really. (laughs) I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking kind of uh, actually kind of along those lines, like um, if we don't have representation, what are your kind of resources or things to think about when we have to negotiate a contract because I think a lot of times when you're unrepresented and you book something that's maybe you know a bigger thing than you were expecting or what have you you know or or even a little thing it's can be very overwhelming to be like oh my gosh the rates is so confusing like do you have any advice for people who might be trying to navigate these waters alone yeah it it definitely is tricky and you know what i i don't think there's a person on earth that would go into a negotiation like that for the first time and get everything right and probably will, you know, miss out on something they could have asked for. That's just, you know, human nature. So um, I think it comes with experience. It comes with, you know, hearing what's going on at set in your first job and talking to other actors and talking to, you know, experienced production people on the set. Um, And boy, do I know how difficult it is to learn how to advocate like that was one of the hardest things for me. You know, I was, I could advocate for myself, you know, kind of here and there, but you know, when it came to like really, you know, sticking your heels in, um, I found it to be easier uh, for me to do that for other people, (laughs) which is why I ended up in this, uh, in this career. Um, Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I think it's important to, um, you know, communicate with others, like I was saying, but look at, look at other things, see if you can find, uh, contract information um, online, like people, people love to write articles, people love to write um, blogs, online forums, you know, really, really do your research. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for a car reimbursement. I mean, the worst they can say is no. Um, and the best they can say is yes. And so that $40 Uber to the studio is now, you know, on them. And I think it's tricky, too, when you're un- unrepresented. But I think that's a great piece of advice to kind of think outside the box instead of being like, oh, I wish I had an agent to help me with this. Be like, all right, well, who do I know that might have done a job like this before? Or, you know, we've I've talked on the 
the podcast a lot about the um, voice actors of NYC Facebook group. And and if you know someone who has an agent, maybe that person feels comfortable saying, hey, I've got a friend, you know, would you mind giving a little bit of advice or would you mind answering this question for me? So I think that's that's smart to think of think outside the box of ways that you can find that information without just feeling defeated about it. For sure. Yeah. Do your research and, you know, use your resources to the best of your ability. Well, before we wrap up, I would love to know what is your biggest piece of advice for people who are just starting their voiceover careers? My biggest piece of advice is listen, 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 listen to what's coming out. Go to YouTube and, you know, listen to a hundred different, you know, 30 second, 15 second, 45 second spots. Listen to people's timing listen to um, the pitch, listen to their uh, speed, you know, listen to how they're interpreting the text, which, you know, might sound silly when you're selling a, you know, a Swiffer or something, but it really, it really can be uh, methodical. Um, And, you know, try it a few times, like see if you can sound like that person, or if you can take your own take on it and be like, oh, okay, this kind of sounds good. And it fits right in that 30 second thing as well. Yeah. Well, thank you, Robert. This was awesome. I loved that we kind of covered a bunch of little things that were different, you know, because you come from the the managerial side. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, I was so happy to, Stephanie. This was such a delight. After hearing from agents earlier this season, it was really interesting to hear Robert's perspective as a manager, how things have changed and evolved over the years, and how he thinks about his role as a manager. I love what he said about managers really helping to shape the careers of the actors on their roster. I can't wait to see where this new venture of running his own management company takes him. If you'd like to learn more about Robert, I'm linking his Instagram page in the show notes, which you can find at my website, makingittothemic.com. As I wind down the season, I'd love to make sure we stay in touch, so please head over to Instagram and follow me at Stephanie Pam Roberts VO. It's a great way to get to know me and what I do as a voice actor myself, plus tips and tricks for those starting out and updates about the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and tune in next week for the season finale of Making It to the Mic. Mm-hmm.